Welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. We'll jump straight into your comments on the Pompey game from Tuesday night. We Are Crew says, see last week's report for tonight's report. And Trevor Griffiths says, rinse and repeat. Samuel thinks having a shot on target might lead to a goal. Roger Wakefield says, same as Saturday, dire. Tyler Bertels, same rubbish, different week. Kev O'Connell is going to watch the news at 10 to cheer himself up. Ian Perry thinks apathy reigns at the club currently. Portsmouth didn't need to break a sweat. Stephen doesn't believe crew are good enough. Go down, start again. Steve Bennett said men against boys. He was home before the final whistle. Stuart Grimley thinks it's always a problem when you try and play football without any pace, strength, height, determination or desire. Nick Dowson, no spirit, no fight, no idea. Tom Boone, tactically unidentifiable with a striker out of position at wing back. One player who stood out was Zach Williams. Steve Day says, unfortunately, he doesn't see him being here next season. Captain Britton thinks the only midfielder to retain next season would be Murphy. Lowry will be gone and the rest aren't good enough. Matt Perry asks at this point, why don't we give the youth team a run out? Dave Clutterbuck can't believe that crew are still only eight points from safety. Gresty Rodenda thinks conference football beckons unless this board sack Artel. Dave Gallagher simply asked, there was a game tonight? On to Saturday, there was some positivity, some not. We'll start with the positive. Graham Miles thought Artel got his tactics spot on and Luke Offord was awesome. Mark Ayers says glass half full after that when it's been half empty all season. Rich was pleased to see grit from the youngsters but felt like the team showed Sunderland too much respect. Jonathan Ditt thought the back five were fabulous but it reminded him of the Leeds game, just hanging on. Gary Pearson agrees with this. You cannot just rely on seeing out the final 10 minutes. Liam F thinks attitude and desire should be a given. Why should we be surprised when we see it? Something Mark Gardner's mullet agrees with. Is it that bad that 11 professionals being committed is seen as progress? Tom Mayo singled out the ref, which he labelled as bizarre. And some feedback from Sunderland fan Walton Butt, who thought crew played well and was impressed with the away following for a team bottom of the league. Hello, welcome to the Railwaymen podcast. If you're a new listener, this is where we talk about the goings on, the games, and all the happenings over the last week. And to help me do that, I've got three of our regular panelists. First, it's Russ Fern. Hello, Russ. Hi, mate. How are you? All good, thank you. And next up, we've got Steve Hatton. Hi, Steve. Hello, Tim. How's yourself? Yeah, not bad, thank you. And last but not least, we have Mark Vertles. Get back okay after yesterday, Mark? I did indeed. Hello, Tim. Hello, everybody. Right, well, we'll crack on. First of all, we've got um, midweek's home game against Portsmouth, and we were 3-5-2 again. It was the, the third game on the trot, Steve. We've kept a relatively settled team, but we uh, we swapped the wing back. We had Aguilar on the right and Lundstrom on the left. How are you feeling ahead of this one? Were you optimistic? Um, not really. Uh, I knew that Portsmouth were on a good run of form. Um, I knew that the team basically picked itself because of the amount of injuries that we've got. I wasn't really expecting a great deal. I was hoping for a bit of fight um, uh, and a bit of commitment. Um, maybe I did get that, but the early goal did certainly did not surprise me, put it that way. 
yeah, and we needed a good start here, didn't we? But we didn't get one. No. Um, from what I remember, it was the same old, same old, really. I think the ball got recycled up to our right, crossing um, just outside the six-yard box, another header, um, a goal we've seen many times this season, I feel. Yeah, completely. And if the... Um... I thought it was. I thought it was a relatively good cross and a good header. But if the first goal was all right, the second goal was pretty poor, wasn't it, Steve? Um, it was. I think it was a bit of a, uh, a scramble. I'm not sure whether Richards is to blame, but I think he had it. It went. There's lots of people, lots of defenders standing around, statuesque. And again, it just feels like a, a scramble. Could the keeper have done better? Could someone have cleared it? It's a goal that I just feel I have seen multiple times this season, particularly over the last month and a half, I think. Yeah, and it, it kind of felt that we weren't playing too badly and they weren't having too many attacks. But if you, uh, if you concede every time they go forward, you, you're never going to be uh, in, in games at this level. Um, Russ, 2-0 down at half-time. Was that, was that a fair reflection, do you think? Yeah, realistically, I, I mean, I don't like you said. I don't think we were too bad. It certainly wasn't the worst performance of the season, and you're playing against a team that are a good side, and we gifted them two goals. You know that first one. Yes, it's a good cross and it's a good header, but we gifted them the ball in the midfield, and then we never really put a challenge up to try and try and stop it afterwards. And that second one was a scrap that we got out out thought out fought on. I think it was a fair reflection, but it wasn't the worst first half of the season. No, no, it wasn't. Um, Artel's come under a lot of criticism for not making early enough substitutions, but he made two this time at half-time. Um, Rakeem Harper came on for Regan Griffiths and, and Travis was replaced by a returning Zach Williams. How good was it to see, especially Zach back? And, and, and do you think he made a difference in the second half? I think Zach Williams is, is probably our best defender. And to have him back is is really important. And it showed again against in the later game this week that having him in defence is really vital to our, well, to the ability of our defence, realistically. Um, Rakeem Harper, I've not really seen much of. This is the first time I've seen him live. And uh, I just echo everyone else's thoughts. He's very sort of lackadaisical on the ball. Doesn't, just is not up to the speed of the rest of the, the rest of the league, it sort of seems. Um, having some sort of squad depth that we can make to, changes at half time is a, is a step forward though I feel because we've not yeah. really had that at other times this season yeah that's that's true sometimes it's felt like we haven't got any people on the bench to make those sort of substitutions 3-0 though again a close range header and again just like Steve said it was a goal it feels like we've seen a few times this season already yeah what's that sort of goal in 2021 that we've, we've conceded of just simple crosses into the box it's clearly a weakness of this side. Um, they've clearly got a striker who feeds off that with Hurst and what's he like seven foot eight. O'Royden couldn't couldn't pocket him like he pocketed Defoe. And I think it, it's interesting that both of those crosses came from their left, so which was our right, which was where Dan Aji was playing at wing back. And he's another striker that Artel's had to play at wing back because of the lack of squad depth in that department. And you want to be angry at him because he's not—he's not got tight enough to his man. He's not tried to stop the cross, but he's not—he's not a, a wing back. So you sort of feel sympathetic for him at the same time. Hopefully, the, sort of in the coming transfer window, that's a place we can strengthen. Yeah, absolutely. We need to, don't we? Steve, I—I I couldn't work out the second half of this game. 
it finished 3-1 and we created some good chances. But Richards made a lot of good saves as well in the second half. Were we in the game or did Pompey just take their foot off the gas? I thought we were only in the game because they took their foot off the gas. And I feel that's why the last 20 minutes we, we created a few more chances. I think they knew they're astute enough to know that they'd, uh, they'd done their job. They were 3-0 up, foot off the gas. So, yeah, we, we got loud back in. But I think someone said it earlier, whenever they attacked, they looked like they were going to score. I thought they looked, they looked quite threatening going forward. Um, and we were indebted to Richards. He, he made some decent saves in that match. Um, and without him, the score could have been a bit higher. But I just feel they just they allowed us back in because they just they just relaxed and just dropped down a few gears. I didn't think that they got out of third gear um, at all during the whole night. I think that if they needed to, they could have stepped up a few levels. Um, for me, it was one of the most disappointing home performances this season because I just never felt like we were in it. I never felt like we competed properly. Um, we were always just on on the verge of, of hold, you know, trying to stay in the game as opposed to controlling it. I I was really disappointed, to be honest, at, at the end of it. I just want to see us give teams a game and I don't feel like we did that. It was a strange one though, wasn't it? Because we had a lot of possession. We had a lot of shots. We had a reorden at the bar. We had obviously long scored at the end when the Irish keeper threw one in his own net. Um, but you're right. It didn't feel like we were in really competing in the game. Is that is that fair? The possession stats are a bit uh, deceiving, really, because it was I think it was sixty five to thirty five. But a lot of those passes, from from Mal point of view, were rolled sideways and backwards and around the six yard box. I mean, there were times that. Dave Richards was rolling it out to the full-backs and six or seven passes later and we hadn't, we hadn't progressed up the pitch at all. Quite often it was like three, four, five passes and then it was rolled back to Richards because they pressed so quickly and he just whacked it long. Um, so, yeah, it was deceiving. Um, I, I don't think we bossed the game quite as much as, um, as the stats would suggest. I feel like you've hit the nail on the head there because if you look at the passing stats, we've almost doubled what they've got. We've got 471 and it, it felt like possession for possession's sake. It felt like a training training ground tactic where you, you've got to have the ball for five minutes while you're getting pressed and, and don't you don't need to go and score a goal, no, but keep the ball and you've done well. Whereas every time Pompey got the ball, head up, look forward, who's the first pass, get forward, get forward, press them. And those two differing styles clearly paid service because... Well, they've scored three goals and we didn't. It was so incisive when they had possession and we looked absolutely terrified in defence every time they attacked. And without wishing to skip ahead, I thought yesterday we looked so assured defensively, maybe because we've got Williams back in tandem with everybody else. But I thought on Tuesday night, yes, they may have had uh, less possession, but we just looked like rabbit in the headlights whenever they got into our penalty area. There was only Tommy Lowry, really, that seemed to be willing to run past somebody and try and get us playing and, and to, to get us moving up the pitch. Everybody else seemed to get the ball. And, and their first thought, even if they didn't realise it, was instinctively to check and go backwards. You've got to look at the widths because that's the important part of this of this formation. You've got on one side, you've got a striker who isn't the type of striker who's going to run past someone with the ball. Dan Adji is not like a dribbler type striker, is he? He's more of a poacher. And you've got Josh Lundstrom who... He's playing well, but if he's going to become a fullback, he's not going to become the Danny Alves marauding fullback. He's going to be an old-fashioned sort of sit tight in with a defender type type fullback. And 
they're the only options we've got at the moment because of the injuries. But that's limiting our progressive play on the flanks and in this formation, that's crippling. Yeah, absolutely. We um, we definitely look a little bit lacking out wide still. Mark, Russ talked about it feeling a little bit like a training game. You were there. A lot of the feedback we've had has been, after the game, has been talking about apathy. Was that was that the flattest the porridge bowl has been since we've been allowed back in the ground? Yeah, by a country mile, yeah. Um, it, basing it off the... Uh, I sit right at the back of the main stand in the middle and basing it on that, um, there was no real reaction when we conceded. People seem to just be resigned to it now, especially with the first goal coming so early. Um, there was no real atmosphere. I think a couple of times the, the, the ground tried to get behind the, um, the players, but it's, it's really difficult. When we're, when we're not competing, um, the early goals sort of killed any any real hope. I think the, the ground felt after two minutes it was game over. I know I certainly did. Um, yeah. And you've got that torturous bell on the other side that doesn't help. Um, no need to call yeah. on that, Mark. Bit, bit harsh yeah. on Josh Lundstrom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it was just wasn't a very pleasant evening to be honest. And I, and I said afterwards that I I felt like I was going through some um, sense of loyalty and to see the people that I see at football rather than going to enjoy the football. And, and I really don't want to feel like that. I've not been able to get to too many Tuesday night games this season, and it was just a reminder of why it's it's a torturous journey. You don't get back until about half 12 and it's like, if it's going to take a lot of effort to go to Tuesday night games and if that's the performance we're getting and that's the atmosphere we're getting, then is it worth it? That's what I've got a question. And next, we had uh, Sunderland away, Stadium Alight. Russ, you went up there. It was another pretty good away following, wasn't it? Oh, it was an epic away following. The circumstances we find ourselves in and the, the context of the actual fixture, you know, Three, what was it, 360 miles or something like that, 280 miles. We've got some diehard fans this season and Artel's right to applaud us because, you know, we made all the noise the entire game. And I think, you know, the backing that we're giving this team in our numbers is is outstanding, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely superb. Um, you and the people you were with, were you expecting a positive result? <laughs> uh, no. No. Um, as with one of my mates, Callum, he randomly predicted a 1-0 win with Chris Porter notching a 90th minute goal. Uh, you'd have liked that, Tim. And everyone else was defeats. And I think the manner of the defeat was the surprise. We're not surprised we lost, but we were still predicting sixes, sevens, five ones, that type of stuff. So um, for it's only to only be 2-0 later on, that was, that was quite a surprise, to be fair. Yeah, I think a few people around me had had a few quid on a uh, Jermaine Defoe hat trick. Uh, Steve, it was it was another similar team, um, slightly different shape. We seemed to be set up in a kind of three four two one with Harper and Ainley in behind Long, um, Zach back in the in the defence, and Travis and Lundstrom out wide. Um, how did that line up do in the first half? I thought they did. I thought they did admirably, and I was really impressed with the commitment, the desire, and I'm not sure if I can say it on the pod, but the level of absolute shithousery that was going on in terms of buying free kicks, killing time, slowing down the clock. It was almost like I was watching a Steve Evans team at times, but all those all those dark arts that we are normally complainer uh, carried out against us, we were doing to them, but I thought the centre-halves were 
amazing. I thought they defended aggressively and they headed and dealt with everything that came near them. Stewart didn't really get a sniff. Defoe looked every inch his, his uh, age that he is. And I thought, actually, as much as I previously criticised our defence against Portsmouth, we were rock solid and resolute and didn't really ever look threatening, uh, threatened um, defensively. Offensively, I thought we were lacking, but I think we know that anyway. But I was just so impressed with the commitment and the desire of not just the back five, but everybody else who was shielding and playing in front of them. Yeah, and you talk about not, not offering a huge amount offensively, but Chris Long did get in behind, didn't he, in the first half? He did, um, and he just didn't seem to want to pull the trigger. Maybe he didn't realise um, that he was in there and, and, the, and the chance had to be taken quickly, and they just sort of came back and just closed it out. But he was in, and he just really needed to get a shot away just to test the keeper. Um, but arguably, we had the best chance. We, we kept them at arm's length, and, and somehow it was just a hopeful ball over the top, and he was in, um, but we did have the best half chance of that 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah, we did, and... Um... Mark, the second half seemed to start in a, in a similar vein. They had plenty of the ball, but we were largely keeping them at bay. I um, I found myself yesterday. I got pulled into the the occasion. Um, you know, it's it's the, probably the biggest club in our division, um, and they're a massive club, a huge club, and you only really realise that when you get to the ground. Um, and the the league to now as a whole and the league table all seemed to pale into insignificance to me yesterday and I just got caught up in that 90 minutes and I've not been like that for ages I was twitching I was heading balls out the box I was clearing balls you know I just just down to the sheer effort and determination that they put in I was so desperate just to get something out of that game I know I was stood next to you you were like a dog having a dream (laughs) yeah it was good you know it was good to have that back I was like Nervous, you know. I was um, I was relieved when the ball was cleared, and and I was just desperate for the players and the management to get something out of that game because I thought it was so deserved. It was the polar opposite to Tuesday night, where Tuesday I didn't feel like we competed. Yesterday, I think um, the Sunderland team will have walked off and, and felt that they were quite fortunate to to get away from, with a two 0 win. Yeah, the crowd were getting. Twitchy, weren't they? And they were making plenty of subs. You can see we had them a little bit worried. Yeah, I mean, for anybody that wasn't there, I can tell you now that um, the first goal was celebrated in that ground as if it was um, a playoff final winner. You know, there was there was real relief from Sunderland, and uh, I was quite shocked actually. Um, one at the celebration, and two, how they seemed to gloat and uh, and sort of rip the uh, the proverbial out of us. You know, it's like we're bottom of the league and you're Sunderland in League One. You know, it's um, really, I was I was surprised at that. And uh, I won't lie, I'll be quite happy if I, I see Sunderland mess up in the uh, in the playoffs on the back of that. And Dave Artell in his post-match presser, we listened to it on the way home. He said that we had the best chances. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. Apart from um, in the first half, there was a, a header straight down Dave Richards' throat. Um, before that and before the goals which you know he had no chance with either goal um, he wasn't flying around his goal making save after save you know it wasn't Blackburn-esque from, uh, from years ago um, we, we were Steve's just called it really really well we were so resolute we were dogged determination there was you know real fight and determination from some young lads 
um, to to keep the ball out the net, which we've not seen this season. That's the that's the first time really that I felt that they didn't deserve to lose, and I've not said that many times this season. Um, and let's let's remember um, that that side unofficially could play in the under twenty threes league. Um, on the average age, and that's worth remembering when you consider the team that they were up against. You've just got to take a look at the defence to, to understand that, because like I keep saying, we've, we've got a 22-year-old, two 18-year-olds who are not even on professional contracts yet, and then a striker and a, a midfielder as a back five against an ex-England international, the league's top scorer, a, a lone player from the Bundesliga, a player who's played for Man City, Fulham, Norwich, Celtic, and, and, and in the Liga. It's they they are worlds apart in terms of their squad and our squad, and I thought for that first eighty five minutes we were it was well it was the best defensive performance of the season by a, a defense that is full of misfits. As a fan base, we've uh, we've unfortunately witnessed some horrendous performances this year. My mind immediately goes to the Fleetwood away and Burton away. Um, that was nothing like that yesterday. And you can't ask for the management team and the players to, to show some fight and determination and then just dismiss it when it happens just because the result doesn't go our way. And I, me personally, I felt that there was only a pocket, but quite a, a loud and vocal pocket on social media last night that couldn't see past the result and couldn't see the performance. And for anyone that's listening that wasn't there... I can tell you now that that away end was one of the support, most supportive and most positive that I've been in this season. Um, they really did appreciate the effort that went in. Yeah, absolutely. And you said it wasn't exactly Blackburn-esque um, in terms of the number of chances they had, but Chris Long got behind him a couple more times in the second half and almost had his, I guess you'd say, Colin Cram moment. I thought he had a pretty good game all around. His work rate, I think, his his pace threatened them, which meant they couldn't come come up too far. They had to drop off a little bit, um, and it, and his press. Um, but does he have to score one of those chances, Steve? Um, yes, he does. Particularly that one when he's when he is properly properly clean through that one first half. Yes, he was in, but it was like a sort of half chance that that one when he just lashed at it and it just went miles high and wide. That was properly clear-cut, one-on-one, get your head over the ball, stick it in the bottom corner, keep your composure. And I'm surprised at him because he's looked quite a composed, astute finisher for the majority of this season. And I'm surprised that he didn't at least hit the target. But to be fair to him, he ran himself into the ground. He didn't get any service. And as you say, the chances came from not sophisticated through balls, but long balls over the top that owed more to his hard-running and I would suggest that he made some fairly average service look quite good by just, just his graft and getting him behind on those three chances that he picked up. And I think there was another one which won't actually count as a chance, but he would have been absolutely clean through and Tommy Lowry, unusually for him, overhit the pass when he would have been uh, one-on-one. Um, you mentioned shithousery and dark arts earlier on, and I, th- I agree. I thought we did do some of that. Um, the ref seemed to get onto it in the second half. And then we had quite an unusual occurrence of a ref giving an indirect free kick for time-wasting. Um, whilst I guess it is technically correct, it's pretty unusual to see that, isn't it? 
It is. I mean, I'm assuming really he was, was, was he enforcing the, the, the second rule for the keeper holding the ball? I would imagine that's what he was doing, which is something you never, ever, ever see. So a remarkable a ref who was a bit, he was a bit inconsistent to both sides, I thought, but, but the strange sight of him taking the ball from Dave Richards' grasp and setting up a free kick inside the area. And he sprayed lots of little circles, which I thought was quite amusing. He sprayed one for a group of players, then he sprayed a special individual one for one player. Um, and no one ever scores from those kind of situations. Very rarely do you, because there's just so many bodies in the way. So I wasn't particularly perturbed. Um, it was quite amusing that the ref found that one from his rule book. Um, but, but to be fair, Richards had been doing it all half. And from what I could see, he was absolutely winding their supporters up, which I found hilarious. I watched the highlights back this morning. And when that, that indirect free kick is knocked sideways and smashed into a, a marauding wall of players and then Richards wins the punch after that, you, all you can hear is the cheers and the... the the admiration of the away fans who were up just above that goal. And it, that is a microcosm of the, of the game, really. Everything that crew did was, was trying to defend that clean sheet. And the fans who were there really backed that. And you could, you could see that during that. And that, that shithousery from Dave Richards reminded me of Wigan away, where it was just lovely for someone else to be pissed off at him for once. <laughs> it might have been just behind the goal for you, Russ, with your young man eyes. I had to get my binoculars out from where we were sitting. Um, I can take my glasses nowadays. I can't see otherwise. As Mark said, it, that was one of the most positive and, and loyal away ends, even at 2-0. I think the fact that we could see how gutted the players were not to have got something out of that game. The crowd stayed loyal right to the end. Did the players deserve that loyalty? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I think we've said it. All, all we can ask for now is the effort and the hard work and the desire and the grit. Because we all know that this, this group of players, currently the, the current 18 specifically that are fit, are not, are not League One quality. They're not League One standard. We all know that. Some of them might be, you know, your Longs, your Lowrys. But, but as a whole, then they're not good enough to stay up in this league. We're going to go down. We've been, we've been relegated since December, realistically. It would have taken a minor miracle. But for me, if they're if they're putting in the right effort and doing the right things, I'm I'm content with that. And I think they did deserve the the loud singing and the loud support at the end. Indeed. Um Mark, a hard working performance then all round. Were there um, any individuals you'd you'd single out? You said to me you thought uh Callum Mainly worked hard. He Callum Mainly did work hard, yeah. Um the defensive side was quite good as well yesterday. He, um he got a lot of blocks in. Um, his blocking's definitely improved, but I, I um I don't want to single anyone out. If I'm honest, I um I think every single player yesterday could uh, could walk off with his head held high. Um, I was proud of them, and and again, I, I want to reiterate that I've not said that or felt that many times this season. And there seems to be um some people with a certain agenda. Like I've said a few times in the last few weeks that if we're going to go down, then I want to see us go down fighting, and that's that's almost like in preparation for next season. Not just sleepwalk into the league below, but try and sort of even in in a perverse kind of way, sort of have an extended preseason now and use this season to prepare for next season. And I felt like I saw the beginnings of that yesterday. And something I said to you in the car on the way home because of the uh, the reaction of someone social media that it's another defeat and it's another poor display going forward that 
hypothetically, if, if we'd sacked the manager and the, there was a new manager in charge for that game yesterday and it played out exactly the same way that it did, but pe- I feel that people would be saying, what an improvement, look at the work rate, look at the way that they defended. But because it was still our talent and it was still the same group of players playing a similar way in terms of formation, people just saw it as another defeat and that we, you know, there's no hope and that we're, we're going to get relegated if we go down again. And it's ridiculous. That was a million miles from, um, from most of the away performances I've seen this season. Um, so, you know, all the, all the credit that they got, they deserved. They were, they were applauded off by almost everybody in the way. And there weren't many that left early. Every single player came over and clapped at the end and um, they absolutely deserved it. Yeah. I, uh, I think it was a, a very, very resilient performance, if nothing else. I think Russ is right, you know, some of the players aren't ready and that's no secret. But we have to remember there was a spell where we were near the bottom of League Two and Charlie Kirk and Harry Pickering and Perry NG and Ryan Wintle weren't ready. Now, if we got an, an, another manager to come in, we'd expect them to start putting right what's gone wrong. Well, that's what David Artel's doing. Yeah, well said. Steve, just staying on the some of the reaction after the game, do you think that that's genuinely a reaction to that performance or is it a wider frustration caused by the season as a whole? I think it is a frustration caused by the season as a whole and, and I've seen people uh, making comments along the lines of, can't believe people are happy with that, another defeat. But I just think you have to, you have to actually look at the, the bigger picture and the fact that you know, we've pretty much got nearly a starting 11 out of injuries. We're, we're playing a team who the only thing we have in common with them is we play in the same division. Other than that, they are light years apart from us. And I tweeted yesterday that you know, the most telling moment for me was we brought on Ollie Finney, they brought on Patrick Roberts. And that's not a dig at Ollie Finney. That's not a dig at our, our club. That's a recognition of the fact that they can call, call on arguably um, a level of stellar talent that is above League One and he's sitting on their bench and he made the difference for them. Um, so whilst I get people's frustration, I think you have to look at the two teams, um, their status, and actually just look at the, the fight and the effort and the resilience we put in yesterday. And obviously I expect commitment and, and that is a, a no-brainer, but sometimes that level of commitment goes above and beyond. And I think yesterday people were putting their bodies on the line and we're showing a real level of fight and positivity that we haven't seen in many of the drubbings this year. And yet there was lack of quality going forward. We get that. But equally, that's where we're arguably missing most of our players, is in those wide areas and offensively. And, and I think you can't overlook that bigger picture. People will say it's an inferiority complex and oh, we're just little old crew and, and the fans buy into that. But I don't think that's true. I think sometimes you have to sit back and say, they're just better than us. Pound for pound, player for player, they are better than us. And our boys put in all the effort in the world to keep that to keep that clean sheet and they just fell short. And that's not through lack of trying. And that's that, in my opinion, is is what the fans should be backing. You can call it defeatist, Russ. Um, or you can call it reality. You know, yeah. it, it's quite possible that um, and people will say I'm being defeatist saying this, I would imagine, but quite possible that that's the last time we'll play at the stadium in life for, for quite some time. And we took the time to have a walk around the stadium before the game and just take it in for that reason. And 
they're a Premier League club in everything but status at the moment. You know, their their ticket office is like a hotel. You know, they're they're, a, they're an enormous, enormous club. And just to sort of um, make it even more difficult, we're also coming up against a manager that probably knows our squad and manager better than anybody else in the Football League at the moment. You know, there would have been no surprises how we lined up and what our strengths were going to be and weaknesses. And, and still, we managed to show that resilience. And, you know, football fans, when, when, we, um, when we haven't played very well this season, and again, I'm, I'm talking about the likes of Fleetwood away, and we come out and we're all quite rightly annoyed and frustrated. And it's like, the least we expect is some effort. The least we expect is from to compete. Well, that happened yesterday. But yet, for some, it's still not enough. And I just wonder what the expectations are. We're not suddenly going to become a completely different animal and start winning games. It doesn't matter who's in the dugout. It's the players on the pitch are progressing and learning. And they're not suddenly going to go on an, an unbeaten run of, I don't know, six, seven, eight games. It's not going to happen. It would be amazing if it did. But it's highly unlikely. So as a fan base, I think what we need to be doing is sticking behind them and, and supporting that progression, knowing that um, the period that we went through when we got promoted will come again if we remain supportive. Fair play. Mark, you said that we're not going to be back at the stadium alike for a while. So any last thoughts before we move on? I, I, yeah, I, you know, it, this is the league to be in, I think. This is where I, uh, I feel at home. The thought of standing in a, in a way and at Harrogate and Barrow as opposed to standing, uh, supporting at the stadium flights, that they're worlds apart. So, you know, this is the, the league we want to be in. They're the games we want to be watching crew in. Fair play. So now we'll have a look at the games coming up. Wigan on Tuesday and Bolton on Saturday. But first, let's find out how the women got on away at Merseyrail Ladies. I'm here with Captain Lauren Cooper after an arrow 2-1 defeat to Mersey Rail. What are your thoughts on the game, Lauren? So I think um, we tried a few new things out. Obviously, Mersey Rail won the league last week, which means we now can't get promoted. So I think today was an opportunity to try a few things out against, obviously, the best team in this league. Um, tried a few few new things out, I think. Second half, we reverted back to what we knew. I think that worked quite well. Um, gave Mersey Rail a really good game in the second half. Uh, things to learn, things to improve, but yeah, losing is never nice, but it kind of it is what it is. Yeah, it was a bit of a tough result in the end. What do you think of the performance today? Do you think you deserve more out of the game? Um, yeah, I think we probably did. I think a point a point perhaps would have been fair. I think we had Mers Rail on the ropes in the second half. Um, played some real nice football. First half played some real nice football as well. Uh, just they they got their chances in in the first half. Second half we we scored a goal. We well we scored our goal. Um, I think a point would have perhaps been a fair result, but it's not always the way it goes. So looking forward then next week, I believe it's Salford City Lionesses. Have you learnt anything from this weekend that you can take into the game next week? Yeah, Salford away next weekend. I think it'll be a tough game as well. We haven't played them yet this season, so we're trying to find out a bit about them again. I think we'll probably try some new things and try keeping it fresh, looking forward to next season. But, yeah, obviously looking forward to come back with a win, hopefully. Lovely. Thanks for your time. Have a, a good week and good luck for next week's game. Thank you.
Okay, Wigan up next. Russ, uh, we lost at their place recently, um, but their form seems to be pretty mixed. They beat Wickham and Wimbledon, lost to Sunderland and Sutton. They're still second in the table. They're, they're in the hunt for the title. What chance have we got of stealing their pies on Tuesday? Um, I think we'll come away with, with no pies. Um, and if we do, it'll probably be like a leek and potato one that's not very nice anyway. They're a good team. They're a very good team. They've shown us that. They've, I mean, they, you say they lose to Sunderland, but as we've just gone on about for the last half an hour, Sunderland are one of the best teams in the league. So that's sort of by the by. It's going to be a really tough game at home. They're going to bring a lot of fans, of course, on a, on a Tuesday night. And we're going to have to be at our, our, our top ability to to get anything from it. I think Charlie White, if he's fit, he's gonna he's gonna give the young lads in defence a real a real tough go again. Mark, are the are the Latics gonna get stuck in the porridge here? I mean, stranger things have happened, haven't they? Um, I think it's it's just important for me. I think to to pick up where we left off yesterday. There ain't no bones about it. You know that the the, um, the players put a real shift in yesterday um, for the full ninety minutes, and and I'm sure to replicate that again on Tuesday won't be easy but that's the um, that's the aim isn't it to start to show that consistency so I think you know a familiar a, a similar sort of performance rather would um, would please me on Tuesday night um, it'd be interesting as it would have been yesterday if we if we went one up could we see the game out um, if Long scores one of those one-on-ones yesterday could we you know could we show that resilience to get a, a a one nil. Well, we'll never know that now, but it would be interesting if we could go one up. I suppose in an ideal world, I'd like to see the the same um, the same sort of work ethic and resilience in defending, but maybe have some uh, more attempts on goal. Would you make any changes? No, me personally, no. I think uh, I think that first eleven deserve um, another another ninety minutes or however long they got. Yeah, Steve. If I remember rightly from the away game, I don't think we had a, a shot on target that uh, I once played in an FA Cup final park. Um, <laughs> are we going to make Ben Amos put his can and his cigarette down on Tuesday night? I hope so, because <clears throat> I think out of the uh, out of the top eight, Wigan have been the side that I was singly most unimpressed by. Um, and, and as you mentioned, when we played them at their place, we didn't have a shot. They dominated the ball. But if memory serves me right, they, they only looked threatening until they scored from set pieces, from, from open play. Again, we, we comfortably kept them at arm's length, just that we didn't offer anything going forward. Um, I'd like to think, we, as we showed yesterday, we, you know, we can offer something. And if we can just hopefully get a bit more of the ball and get a bit more controlled possession, he might actually have to uh, muddy his knees this time. But I'm, I'm quietly confident in this one. And I think we might, we might sneak something. Fingers crossed. Well, so for some more info on uh, on Wigan, Stu spoke to the Progress Through Unity podcast. Hi, Barry. Welcome back to the pod. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. Now, it wasn't that long ago that you were on, just a month ago, so I can't imagine too much has changed for you and for Wigan since we last spoke. Um, we'll start with the game at Wigan a month ago. 2-0 win for Wigan. Fairly comfortable, did you think? Yeah, I, I don't think the result was ever ever in doubt. It was, yeah, quite quite comfortable, like you say. 2-0. Uh, 
could have been, I think, three or four, really. But um, we'll take 2 0. And it, it you know, it uh, consolidated our place in the top two, which was, you know, what we wanted out, out, out of the game. Now, I don't normally ask this from the uh, the opposition fans, but as it's been such a short time, uh, I'll just ask, what did you make of Crew that day? What what did you see? What what impressed you? Probably more, what didn't impress you? Well, speaking to you uh, prior to the game, you told me about how you felt Crew would play and the fact that there was a lack of quality within the team. And I thought... It was just one of those, you know, you're struggling near the bottom of the table and sometimes you get a bit despondent. But you were right. There was, I was really disappointed uh, considering how last season had been for you. But I have to mention Tommy Lowry, he stood out. He stood out really well. I know he's not played too many games this season for you as he's been in and out. But Well, he, he was out and then he was in. That's why, yeah. Yeah, out <laughs> then and then, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, he looks a quality, uh, a quality player in midfield, and I think everything that you you did coming forward went through him. Uh, but yeah, I was very, I was very disappointed with you to be honest, and I could see why you've been struggling this season. So let's talk about Wigan since that game. Then um, currently still second. Uh, big game on Saturday took place. Uh, a draw with MK Donta in third. Was it important for you guys just not to lose that game? Was that the main aim? Uh, yeah, well, with three games in hand, so I think it was more important for MK Dons to beat us, which they didn't do. You know, so they'd have been, they'd have jumped above us and gone three points ahead, and it would have put a little bit of pressure on us. Uh, but you know, we've got we've got yourselves on Tuesday and Markham on Saturday, so we could have. I think there was always that uh, possibility of us rectifying any defeat with, within those games. Uh, so for us, it was just a matter of getting that game out of the way. Uh, it was. I, I actually forecast a one-one because I thought it would be, and I, I really thought MK were better than what they were. They, they didn't impress me at all yesterday. They not a lot up front. Um, they, unless we did a job on which we, you know, we did do a job. We're very good away from home. Um, the way we set up and we we press high, and and they didn't seem comfortable with us pressing them high. And yeah, uh, we went one up. And they scored in the 88th minute from from uh, they had three corners on the trot and uh, I, I still believe the goalkeeper should have got it. Uh, Amos he should have met the cross coming in, but he didn't. And uh, Harry Darling, lovely name that isn't it? Harry Darling headed home on the 88th minute, and it, their fans when the whistle went looked like they'd won a cup final. But the players sank to their knees, and I think that's all the story. They needed to beat us, and they didn't. Do you mind if I ask you about what happened in midweek, Barry? Obviously, uh, there was quite a bit of news for Sutton, uh, Wigan being the other team in that game. What went wrong then? Uh, well, I've just mentioned we did a job on on MK Don. Sutton came and did a job on us. They were, listen, I can't do nothing but give them a lot of credit. They were absolutely brilliant. They were fantastic. They played with heart and soul. Um, there was an obvious difference in, in quality of players. We we looked the better team. Uh, they they went to goal up against the runner player. Um, uh, in the second half, we threw on some of our big guns. The last twenty minutes, it was like the Alamo for them. Uh, we was all over all over them. Um, but yeah, what a credit to League Two the and what a credit to non league non league as well because they've come up last season. 
Um, they're not a heavily supported side, you know. They but they brought two two hundred and seventy came up on a Tuesday night from South London for a game that was on TV as well. They made a hell of a lot of noise. I was just I was really impressed. They looked like a really good club, very friendly, and uh, yeah, I hope I hope they go on and have a fantastic day at Wembley and you know and win it because I'll be cheering them on now. You know, they've got Rotherham, which will be very difficult for them. You know, and realistically, I'm not too fussed who wins it, you know, but uh, I will be cheering Sutton on because I think we made a few friends that day. Lovely club. So, although Tim's really a little bit of disappointment because I wanted to go to Wembley, uh, you know, it's one I can take on the chin and, and, and you know, we've been, we've, we've had our, our days out at Wembley. Let, let somebody else enjoy it and good luck to them and thoroughly deserve, to be honest. Yeah. So, Barry, you've mentioned the fact that you've still got three games in hand, this game on Tuesday being one of them. Um, that should realistically cement you in the top two. Are you confident of silverware or is it just one or two? Don't really care. To be honest, I don't really care, but it'd be lovely to get it, wouldn't it? Be, I mean, the icing on the cake is, is getting promotion. The cherry on top is, is taking the title. Um, we've got two games in hand and Rotherham with four points behind them. So it's there, it's there for us to, to to leapfrog them, and they've got they've got a tough run in as well. They've got Portsmouth away, Sunderland away, um, Plymouth away as well. So they've got they've got tough games coming up. Um, but I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. Listen, I'd take mid table this season without you know without any questioning at all uh, to be in the promotion spots after what we went through last season is uh, you know unbelievable from our point of view. But we're there now, so let's not kid ourselves. We want promotion. I can see us getting it. I don't think anybody's going to catch us. So is it a two-horse race between us and Rotherham for the uh, title? Well, you know, I don't know because uh, MK Dons really do fancy themselves for catching one of us, and and I think they've got uh, Rotherham in the in the sights now. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, we're going up as champions. I've t- you've convinced me now. I can see that looking your eye there. Yeah, we're going up as champions. Absolutely. All right, Barry, last question then. Um, no Callum Lang on Tuesday. No James McLean. Is that going to be enough to stop Wigan winning? What's your prediction? Uh, we're strong. We're strong without them. Uh, I think we'll. I think it'll be another 2-0, if I'm being honest. And it'll be... We're good at grinding out. Results. We ground out a result against you 2 0. That's what we did. We did it against Wimbledon. We did it against Fleetwood. We just ground these results out. And I think we'll do it again on Tuesday. So I'm going for a 2 0 clean sheet, probably go three at the back. And, uh, you know, to marry up with you, like a 5 3 2 sort of formation. And we'll have McGuinness and Humphreys up top with, uh, with Will Keane just behind flying about and possibly. Uh, Guion Edwards coming in as well, but more or less the same team from Saturday. I think Edwards will come will, will come in. Uh, I don't know if I'll though. Okay, Barry, thank you for your time. No problem, Stuart. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, that's Wigan. And then moving on to the weekend, we have Bolton Wanderers at home. Um, so it's a landmark week for fans of return visits of Lancashire clubs who beat us 2-0 at their place. And it's also a uh, 34 years after my first game, which was Crew v Bolton Wanderers in uh, 1988. I don't think Chris Cutler is going to pop up this time with a uh, with a winner, as he's now 57. So um, 
Steve, what are we going to see on Saturday? Um, a large, boisterous, noisy away following. A team who probably now, I think the playoffs have gone for them. Um, they've played a few more games than the teams above them. There's a bit of a gap. I think their home defeat to, I think it was Plymouth yesterday, probably signals the end of their playoff intentions. So maybe you're just going to have a team who've got no pressure, who might just turn up and um, and enjoy the, the occasion. It, we miserably lost 2-0 there. It was one of the low points of the season. Um, I'm sure Gomez played, actually, maybe one of the last times we saw him. Um, but it'll be, it'll be a good atmosphere, um, but arguably two teams with, with probably very little left to play for, I would suggest. I think that was the game when he hit the bar, wasn't it, late on? Yes, you're right, actually, it was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe we and thought it, he was going to be a decent player then. And it absolutely lashed it down. Yeah, I think it was William, William's debut as well. Definitely one of his first games, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, Ross, it was Williams. It was Williams's debut, and he was uh, he was given Magic Gomez in front of him, and Callum McFadden to the left of him. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have thought he'd have given up being a professional footballer after that. Ross, one <laughs> no of their to to Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> Ross, one of their best players is that uh, Alpha Lion. Will he be overawed when he sees Greer Esty on Saturday, an actual lion? <laughs> yes, yeah, he's gonna. I mean, he's gonna see Gresty in his in his and his gorgeous mane, and he's he's gonna go back to Lancashire and take a pie with him, probably. Happy days. And Mark, I've I've been saying that we're down since there were still leaves on the trees last year, and you're still looking at the league table, so. I think the stats guys have us 99% to be relegated and over 50% now to finish bottom. What do we need from these two games, Wigan and Bolton, to keep the season alive or just to give us a bit of hope? Wins. I mean, <laughs> I mean, of course, it, it's um, it's almost certain. You wouldn't, no, no sane person would put any money against us going down. But by some miracle, it seems like we've been eight points adrift for the last six months and it, it, it still hasn't changed. And you still think if we could get a win and close that gap to five points, would we all be sitting there at, if the gap was five points saying it's an absolute dead cert? Um, I'm not sure that we would. And we've got a run at some point coming up in, in three, two or three weeks, I think it is, where we play um, Fleetwood, Doncaster and... Um, Forgetting the third one is Wimbledon. Wimbledon, that's it. Thank you. Um, and you think there's the potential for nine points um, in a perfect world, especially if we play like we did yesterday. So who knows? You know, I'm not for one minute saying, oh, there's still a chance we, uh, we might stay up and get all excited. But there is still a chance. It's not mathematically impossible. Um, and for me, we are seeing signs of um, of improvement, which is good to see. You know, as Russ has just alluded to, it's a very different lineup that will be facing Bolton than, than that faced them last time. Um, you never know. There's nothing better, isn't there, than uh, at Gresty Road when we get a full away end, and we will have two shutting them up. So who knows? It's really a case of uh, nothing to lose and everything to gain in those two. Absolutely. Well, for more information on the Bolton games, Stu spoke to Daryl Morris. Hi, 
Hi, Daryl. Thank you for coming back on the pod. Oh, pleasure, Stuart. Thank you for having me. So it was a little while ago when you were originally on. It was just before the 2-0 win for Bolton in November. Um, crew fans will probably put that as one of their low points. They just didn't turn up that night. What was your perspective? What was the Bolton perspective on that game? Yeah, I think it was, um, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, I remember the, the weather was probably my, my perspective. It was extraordinarily cold day, wasn't it? Um, as you would imagine, God, blimey, Bolton Wanderers versus Crew on a, on a November night. Uh, the glamour, eh? The glamour. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think that was that was an interesting time for us, and we were in a, we were in a period where we were kind of struggling a little bit, and we were uh, on in different form. And uh, we weren't really sure at that point which way the season was going to go. And I know that our fortunes have sort of gone in different directions since then, haven't they, really, uh, as two clubs. And um, and uh, I think it was one of those that, with all due respect, we saw as a game we had to win, really. You know, that we had to we, we had to get a result, and we did. And I, and I think, it, if, I, if I remember rightly, it sort of helped us push on a little bit and get a couple of results uh, before the end of the year. But really, same as, as we had last year in League Two, um the um the, the 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 turn of the year was a real big and we'll talk about this in, in more detail I'm, I'm sure Stuart but the turn of the year was was again a, another big big moment bringing in players increasing the depth of squad really feels like our season started in January again let's talk about that now then because obviously um we've had a January transfer window since we last played um who came in who left what's changed we managed to hold on to most of the key players. So um, I think Dapo Afalayan gave you a real rough rough ride, didn't he, that night? And uh, uh, as he does, to, he, he tends to. We managed to keep hold of him and some of the some of the other sort of key assets. We strengthened up front. We we were, we were having we we had a real problem with getting the ball in the back of the net, um, which um, I've been following football for most of my life, Stuart, and uh, I've come to realise quite an important part of. Uh, of doing well in the game is putting the ball in the back of the net. And uh, we had Owen Doyle, who was the um, uh, who's Irish guy, Irish striker. I think he was uh, in and around the camp in, in November. And he left us in January and we managed to bring in uh, a couple of players. We managed to bring in Dion Charles, uh, who, uh, who'd come in from Accrington, who's, you know, brilliant player, um, you know, really hungry. His form has dipped the last three games, but started um, really brightly, really hungry, uh, never giving defenders a minute. Uh, you know, I would um, certainly for our, our game against you, I would mark him out as being one to one to watch. And also Bob Varson as well, um, uh, um, uh, Daddy Bob Varson, who is a um, Icelandic forward who is um, who's done pretty well as well. Got a couple of goals and settled in. We've got a really long, rich history of Icelandic players. Who and, and Bob Varson, remarkably, he plays every week with gloves on. And um, I was really he comes from one of the most one of the coldest places, uh, the coldest inhabitable places on the planet, and he has uh, he still feels the need to wear gloves in Bolton in March, <laughs> which I've always I found a little bit surprising. So we managed to we managed to bolster the ranks, and actually we brought in a couple of other players as well, Morley and Sadler, and we we found depth where we um, lacked it before, and we managed to bolster it. And, and actually, you know, from January. Just to remind you of what happened last season. I don't know if you were if you were kind of aware of the the the, the run that we went on last season. We were nineteenth, twentieth in February last season, and we ended up going up promoted or, or automatic promotion from League Two, and that was because of an unbelievable run. I mean, we, we were the form team in English football for the majority of that time. An unbelievable run where we, we basically a lot of one nils, a lot of kind of you know a lot of sort of Arsene Wenger specials. Um, and put on an incredible run and managed to get promoted. And there was this sort of glimmer of, of hope that maybe we would replicate what we did last season. And um, 
we played this weekend, we recorded this on Sunday, we played against Plymouth and we lost 1-0 and Plymouth are obviously up there in the playoff places as well. We were, we were, we were about, I think we went into the weekend six or seven uh, points off the, the playoffs and now we're 10. And I think the, the vast majority of us uh, concluded yesterday that that was probably the curtain on our season really. Um, and that, um, and the, the, that, that sort of hope of making a charge into the, pl- the playoff places is probably done. You've answered my next question, which is currently 11th, 10 points off the playoffs. What's the hope? What's the realistic aim? But you've said there it's probably not going to happen this season now. No, I think we, uh, we've, you know, barring something remarkable happening, uh, I think that we've probably concluded that that's, that, that's us. I think taking, I think giving, giving three points to Plymouth, um, you know, taking three points off Plymouth and closing that gap would have been astonishing yesterday. It would have been, and, and actually, we, you know, we went toe-to-toe to them, toe-to-toe with them for the 90 minutes and we had a couple of, couple of excellent saves from their keeper, kept them in the game. We could have easily won that 2-1, you know, no question about that at all. They defended really well and, um, and they, they, they managed the game really well, actually, as well. And I think I think we came away. Look, I think it was always. I think just given the fact that given given what happened last season, how we came from nineteenth to, um, to 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 get promoted in the space of a couple of months, we all we all had that sort of little. There was just that that thing in the back, that seed in the back of our head. You know, we've been here before. Can we do it again? And I think we all believed for a short period, um, and um, and uh, it wasn't to be. And I think the other thing as well, you know, is that is that there's a difference between you putting on a charge and you and you you know winning games and getting up there. It's another thing, sort of holding your own. I mean, if you look at those those, those playoff places now, you've got you know either Wigan or MK Dons are going to be are going to be in, in the playoffs. Uh, Oxford, Sunderland, Plymouth, Sheffield Wednesday knocking on the door as well. Um, and you look at those, you look at those, and you just think, you know, a, a them dropping points, you know, so dramatically that gives us the, the door open is unlikely. But also, what happens when you get to the playoffs? I mean, you've got two, you've got two legs of a tough game, and then a really tough game. I mean, if we take on Wigan or MK Dons at Wembley, uh, you know, we we don't stand much of a chance, I don't think. So, um, so that's that's the reality of life. Um, and sometimes you've got to you've got to take a breath and take it. And uh, I guess you guys, you know, you guys know that this season as well, don't you? You feel that as well. The sooner this season ends, the better for everybody with our club. Right, Dal, I've got one last question for you, and then I'm going to let you go. Um, okay. What do you think is going to happen on Saturday? What's your prediction? Uh, it's interesting, really, given the fact that. So, so where where are you guys at then? Because you're you're bottom of the table, twenty five. Is, yeah. is there a, is there a is there a thought? In, is there a sort of no? You don't think you can do it? No, hundred percent no. Yeah, twenty. You've got twenty five points, right? You've, yeah, you've five, I'm. I'm confident. Points. I'm that confident we're relegated. I will say hundred percent on our own podcast that we are not going to stay up this season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's tough, that isn't it? It's really mm. tough. It's mm-hmm. really tough. It's a tough plan. And, and and you know what, man? We've we've been there. Uh, you know, we've we've been there uh, a lot in the last couple of years, and uh, it doesn't get any easier. It doesn't feel any better, does it? No, uh, it's been awful this year. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know about the weekend then, really. I think perhaps, um, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know whether, it depends really whether 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 Ian Everett keeps the flame alive for, for us. You know, whether he sort of tells the players, do you know what, we our players, you know, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. We're 10 points off the playoffs. It's a hell of a tall order, but it's mathematically possible. <laughs> it's the one thing that you go, it's technically, it's mathematically possible. So whether he has that conversation with them and says, go out and do it. Look, look, I think the honest truth is we've got a lot of quality. Um, I think that we have perhaps been a bit unlucky. Actually, we've gone we've gone toe to toe with most teams. We were turned over by MK Dons a couple of weeks ago, um, and that's the first time really that we've been we've been properly properly defeated. You know, just beaten all, all over the park across ninety minutes. 
Um, I think, I think it'll probably be a rough ride for you. Uh, it depends. It depends how how informed they are. It depends how they're feeling, and it depends, you know, what they want to get out of the game. You know, if, if they're thinking, if they're, they're if their sort of attitude goes, well, let's get to the end of the season without any injuries, so we can, you know, we can, you know, we can we can go again next year. I think we'll be, I think we'll be in and about, in, in and around automatics next year. You'd have thought, um, or, or at least playoffs next year. There, there might be there might be a creeping sense that you know taking it easy and taking our foot off the gas a little bit um, might give us a better chance in in the season in, in preseason and in, over the summer. So you might benefit from that. You might benefit from that. But it's it's going to be it's going to be a it's going to be a tough game for you. But it depends which Bolton turn up. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. And and you know what I I you know full full solidarity with you. Um, you know, I've been, I've, we've, we've been there, and we've, we've, we've watched. I've watched my team uh, relegated from the Premier League, uh, relegated from the Championship, relegated from League One into League Two, and uh, all of the uncertainty. And you know, we had, we had that famous couple of hours before we, as we were ticking, ticking towards going out of business. And uh, I remember watching. I remember going to see Bolton play against. I think, it, I think it was Coventry, and it was not long after the administration, and we had. No players. We had no players. We had to. We had to field a, a, our academy team basically um, in 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 a kit that had been you know bought from uh, a, a re- from the retail park or something like that. You know, you know, one of those classic stories of them, you know, literally cobbling together a team. And I think there is something about that. I think I think every football fan. I've got lots of friends who are United fans and who are um, you know who are who are City fans, uh, who are new City fans, the new breed of City fans, um, and uh, you know or or, or or whatever else who have never known what it feels like to really go through it, you know, to, to, to stand on the terrace on a miserable Tuesday while you're beaten 4-0 and, you know, it looks like you're going to be relegated to lead two. You know, those are the things that they're, they're, they're the making of football fans, I think. They're the making of football fans, you know, and it makes those, you, you'll be back, I've, I've no doubt about that. You know, there's, there's, you, you've probably got a lot to sort out and some stuff to get together. But I think that, um, you know, I think that I think that every football fan at some point in their life has to experience that. And you will undoubtedly you will come out the other end stronger. Um, so I, I spare a thought for you. I know how it feels, and it's not nice to see it. Um, Daryl, on that note of positivity, I'm going to end it there because you know I feel like that's a great place for us to stop <laughs> this chat. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Stuart. A pleasure. Good luck to you guys. Good luck. Good luck next season. The last thing I wanted to talk about, guys, was um, as we were coming away from the stadium, alike. Someone saw an announcement from the club. I think Graham McGarry might have tweeted it about a reshuffle. It looks like Kenny Lunt's no longer the assistant manager, has moved into a player development role. Alex Morris has stepped up and become the new assistant. It also looks like we're trying to recruit a head of recruitment and possibly other moves in the offing. Russ, what do you think to these changes? I think, well, Artel's alluded to this on the podcast, didn't he? And if you've not listened to that excellent podcast with Dave Artel, go listen to it now. And I think, I think no one really knows what Kenny Lunt does. Apart from he can whip a free kick in, no one really knows what he, what he does. So moving him back, bringing Alex Morris through, who no one really knows what Alex Morris does either, but was he favourite for the Vale job like two years ago? He, he seems to be, he seems to come with some sort of, uh, sort of, recognition for his ability so I think having him in that role freshening it up that 
can only be a good thing, right? Hopefully. Um, but the head of recruitment, Artel said, and he's finally admitted that he, he takes too much on and there's, there's not enough support personnel uh, around him. So head of recruitment's one of the biggest roles at crew. We need to make sure this transfer window is perfect. It can't happen like the last three. Otherwise, we will be playing National League football in two seasons. And to, to get the right person over the line for the head of recruitment could be all the difference for the, for the, the long-term future of this football club, not just the short term. Steve, do you agree with that? Yeah, it's, it's difficult because, um, as, as Russ has mentioned, we, we don't quite know what Kenny Lunt did. We don't, I, you know, I don't know what he offered as an assistant manager. Um, I do remember him as a player and obviously as a personality, and he wasn't the most vocal player on the pitch. Um, he more led by example rather than by kind of uh, being kind of motivating players vocally. So I've never really kind of married up in my head how he would work as an assistant manager. Um, Dario always used to mention how tactically astute he was, and, and I wondered if that was his role, but I couldn't really see him kind of um, running players and, and being that link because I, I never really see him as a great communicator. Um, but, but a reshuffle to freshen things up and change it up, absolutely. Whether, whether Kenny hangs around or not, I don't know. I imagine he's probably not best happy at the change and maybe we'll see him move on. But I think the reshuffle um, to get things right transfer-wise, because we've obviously made a, a great deal of mistakes, I think is 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 massively important, yeah. Mark, we were, we were still with an old school friend, Emma, at the game yesterday, and she noticed that it was Alex Morris, not Kenny Lunt on the touchline. Um, what do you see changing on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, well, I'm, I'm not sure is the, the, the short answer um, because, I, I, again, I, I don't know what, um, what the differing roles were. Alex Morris seems very intelligent and um, a very good coach and very well respected. And, of course, if nothing changes, nothing changes. I think it's important for me to say I trust David Artel uh, implicitly and I think he will have done this with the best of intentions like he does everything else. What I want to um, what I want to say more than anything really is that it's important that Kenny Lunt's not made into some kind of scapegoat. Um, I feel a little bit sorry for him. You know, he was uh, he was one of my favourite players. He was one of the cleverest players we've ever had with a ball at his feet. He was Dario's eyes and ears on the pitch. Um, he's incredibly committed to Crew, and you know he he was a good enough assistant manager to get us promoted. So let's not forget that. Um, he's been an amazing servant to the club and I just don't want people thinking that um, he's the reason that we've struggled this season because he's been moved positions. I don't think that's the case at all. I'm sure, you know, as always, if we could get David Artel on now to explain the reasons behind it, then he'd make, uh, make it all make sense. Um, I like the idea that he said that everybody's in the role that suits their strengths. That's, I think that's a, how any business should be. I mean, the, 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 everything will be um, will be proved in results and signings, won't it? The head of recruitment and the um, and the reshuffle hopefully will reflect, particularly next season, if we um, if we start well. That's that's where we'll we'll find out if it's worked or not. Yeah, I agree, and I think actually the head of recruitment is probably the most important one of those. I imagine that the others, it's still the same people doing similar roles, if not the same roles, but getting that. Getting the right person in the head of recruitment it, role is absolutely uh, absolutely crucial. Do you agree with that, Ross? Yeah, yeah, 
as I said, the previous few windows have been a disaster. I think we, we don't really know if the last January window has been a disaster yet because we're playing players out of position for the necessity and we've got three of them are out injured. So that's not really Artel's fault at the end of the day, I don't think. For the long-term future of the club, we need to... The club goes in dips and dips and heights, doesn't it? So those dips need to be... When, we, when we've sold the players, those dips need to... The squad needs to be filled with the good recruited players. That's the bit where the head of recruitment will come in and hopefully mean that those lows aren't quite as low as they are now. Yeah, I... I... I personally hope that it's it, it's a, someone completely new from outside, someone with good ideas, someone that can use some of the newer recruitment techniques as well as get to games and uh, and see players in the flesh. All right, moving on. It's uh, competition predictions time. Producer Dave still top of the league, and Gary is now in uh, second place after his season debut last week. Well done, Gary. Um, Russ. I'll start with you. Okay. Wigan at home Tuesday night. First goal. Wigan at home Tuesday night. First goal. Eighth minute. Eighth minute. And Steve, over to you. Uh, 31. 31. And Mark. 36. So we're all predicting a fast start for crew. Goals in the first half. And then Bolton on Saturday. Back to you, Mark. Cool. Uh, 18. 18. 1 8. Yes. 1 8. And Steve? 22. Okay, 22. And Russ, Bolton at home. Um, I'm going to go a bit different. I'm going to go 67th. 67th minute for you, Russ. Great stuff. You can have a go, Tim. No, I'm not. <laughs> Kids' game, innit? <laughs> well i guess that that just about wraps her up uh one final reminder guys the uh the david artel podcast is live and available on all your usual feeds thanks very much to you producer dave no problem and to russ thank you very much steve thank you very much and mark thanking you and the most important of all you the listener goodbye Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue moon.